From the Oregon State University's Extension Service, you are listening to In the Woods with the Forestry and Natural Resources Program. This podcast aims to share the voices of researchers, land managers, and members of the public interested in telling the story of how woodlands provide more than just trees, they provide interconnectedness that is essential to your daily life. Stick around to discover a new topic related to forests on each episode. Hi everyone, my name is Steve Fitzgerald. I'm an Extension Silviculture Specialist and Director of the uh, College of Forestry Research Forest. And welcome to this segment of uh, our In the Woods podcast. And today's uh, topic is stream restoration. I'm out on our Ramsdale track, which is near Malala, Oregon. And we have a stream enhancement project occurring on Woodcock Creek, which flows through our property. Well, I'm here with uh, Brent Klump. Uh, Brent, uh, can you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself? And then let's talk about this stream project. So I'm Brent Klump. I'm the forest manager for the OSU Research Forest. Uh, I'm an OSU grad and uh, raising two boys there in Sweetham. So give us some details about this project, the how, when, where, why kind of thing. Yeah, so we are on our uh, Ramsdale Forest, which is outside Malala uh, in Clackamas County. Uh, And through the middle of our Ramsdale Forest, we have Woodcock Creek that flows through here. And we are working uh, in consultation with Oregon Department of Fish and Wildlife uh, on a large wood placement into the stream to help provide uh, salmonid habitat. So you're putting wood, I assume large wood, into the stream. And what what will that do to enhance the habitat for our fish uh, on this forest? So we have uh, 15 different locations within that half-mile reach uh, where we're going to be placing between four to six logs per installation and some of the logs have root balls still attached to them from a a wind throw event that we had and other logs don't have the root ball attached and when you place those four to six logs uh, partially into the stream and partially anchored into uh, the riparian area which is that or the stream bank or the stream uh bank kind of pinch between trees what it does is it slows down flow Uh, it helps recruit spawning spawning gravel Uh, It provides uh, high water refuge for fish. And ultimately, uh, we're anticipating that we'll have uh, salmon and salmon up here as well. So do they just kind of just throw the logs in there and hope for the best? Or is it thought out? Is it engineered? Or what's the kind of process there? So they are are not just thrown in. Uh, It takes a little bit of planning. uh, Definitely planning on where you source the logs, as well as how those logs are placed. Uh, and so you're really trying to use the topography and the ground that uh, the riparian area in Woodcock Creek allows to figure out how to get these root, uh, these log placements in a position where they're not going to move during high winter flows, and they're going to provide those other objectives that you're trying to reach. Recruitment of spawning gravel, slowing down flow during winter storms, winter events, etc. So we're standing here in front of a deck with a lot of wood. Now you mentioned 
logs with root balls attached and then others don't. So a root ball is just that root wad. Is there a reason why the root ball is, we want trees with root balls in place? Yeah, so the the root ball uh, when in or the root wad when it's attached to uh, the log kind of acts as an anchor like a boat, uh, in that you've got this big, heavy, kind of bulky looking, uh, kind of like a medusa head almost. That when that is positioned in a spot, it's really hard to un or to get it to move during high winter flows. So, so, it, so it kind of like anch- helps anchor things it together? Is, it is an anchor. Yeah. Uh, and that you can use that as the anchor and then use other logs to help pinch it and hold it in place. And that just creates that uh, kind of locking mechanism. Got it. As those logs are, it's kind of like pickup sticks a little bit and how they're placed in through there. Yeah, got it. So you're working in a stream, in a repairing area. There's water flowing. Um a person just can't go and just do that anytime. What is there regulations, permits, you know, what is, what does it take? What's the planning process for this? So it's a, a big open-ended question. <laughs> uh, for the planning standpoint, we've been planning this project for the last couple of years. Uh, there is through Oregon department of forestry and Oregon department of fish and wildlife. There is the in water work window which is the time frame for when you're allowed to be able to put, to put equipment into that repairing area, move logs and stuff around in the stream because you're creating turbidity. Uh, and that is the in-water work window. And for us, it's June 15th is the start date through September 15th or August 1st or October 1st. So exactly that's here. the traditional low water flow, is that? So yeah, so traditionally that is when uh, summer flows are at their lowest, uh, which is when impact is usually at its least. Uh, we would not want to be out here during the middle of winter uh, with high winter flows, really heavy soil saturation, moving equipment around into there. It's going to create a create much more of a mess. Yeah. So um, who signs off on this? Do you have to do some type of um, a permitting system for this to be allowed? So yes, uh, there is a permit system. Uh, We applied for a permit uh, through Oregon Department of Forestry and it's a notice of operations with a written plan addressing what you're going to do and how you're going to protect the different resources. And we had Oregon Department of Fish and Wildlife that have partnered with us on this project and uh, Oregon Department of Forestry signed off on our permit uh, pretty quickly. Wow, that's great. So you have 15 different kind of log placements that are going to go in Woodcock Creek and you've got equipment and an operator. Um, what's, when you think about what, what, what's the total costs and maybe you could break it down into different segments. Sure. So there is the, the cost to actually physically place the logs into the stream with uh, equipment and a contractor uh, and that is, uh, we put that out to bid and that's right at $19,000. There's actually, most people don't quite think of it this way, but there's the value of the logs that you could have shipped to the mill. And how many, I, I, you know, we're standing here in front of a very large log deck um, and you have three or four of these decks. We've got uh, three, three of these log decks. In total, we have just over 100 pieces uh, and so a root ball with a log, that's one piece. 
two logs as two pieces. So we've got about 100 pieces that are going to go in. So what's the value of those logs? Uh, it's right about thirty-five to forty thousand dollars. It's it's uh, they're they're valuable mm-hmm. logs. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of them are Douglas fir. There is a few Western red cedar uh, that is also extremely valuable. Uh, but from a university and a research forest standpoint, these are costs that we're willing to incur, and we we pay for those costs. We mm-hmm. pay for the contractor to come in. Uh, these are costs that we're willing to to absorb uh, in the interest of managing for multiple uses. The, so the total cost you would ballpark it at at what? I think total costs, including you know, like time, staff time, is probably right in that seventy to seventy five thousand dollars total. So you know, in thinking about the creek, you, you know, that's a that's a really an ecological investment to enhance the productivity of that stream. It is, and it is an investment. And Woodcock Creek as a whole is going through, uh, there's a lot of restoration work that's happening off of the research forest as we head downstream on other landowners as well. Uh, Port Blakely has some project they're going to do next year. The county has some work that they're doing as well. So we're just one landowner in kind of the, the cog of the of the woodcock creek ownership uh, and we're, our hope is that with all these other landowners collaborating that the ecosystem as a whole will be better once they're completed so the ramsdale track i know we use it for extension type programs and today you brought some students out from um, that work on the research forest but also our students in the college of forestry um, what do you think they get out of it I think for them, uh, they get to see another uh, aspect of managing a forest. Uh, And we've got students that came out here that are in forest engineering, forest operations, forest management, recreation resource management, natural resources. So it's a pretty wide and broad, uh, diverse group. And so being able to see a lot of different aspects, how to interact with other agencies, Oregon Department of Forestry, Oregon Department of Fish and Wildlife, uh, opportunities to interact with contractors and maybe see an aspect that they haven't been exposed to before that might pique their interest for a future job. We just met with ODFNW and as we were driving up the road, I had one of my students trying to figure out how do you get into that type of job? Yeah. Yeah, I can see where this type of work would be really appealing um, as a career, you know, because you're doing habitat restoration and improvement. And that's, you know, it makes you feel good, I think, at the end of the day. Yeah, I think these types of projects, I really enjoy these types of projects. And I do. I think these ones are really rewarding. Uh, They are a valuable, valuable job. And uh, yeah. Great. So here we listen to Brent Klump. OSU forest manager asking Dave Stewart, who's the ODF&W habitat biologist, what's the real point of all this uh, stream work? Yeah, yeah. Uh, what's the point? The point, the point of this, yeah, it's good. I mean, again, these could be as long as you want and, and these answers, but uh, we were just talking about this yesterday because we're putting the wood in and you look at some of the work we're doing here, right? Some damage, some, some impacts, but you know, we're essentially creating habitat for salmon. It's, these are all ESA listed. And uh, so that's that's the point. That I think that's the short-term fix. The longer-term fix is that, you know, the forest is big enough that naturally these logs fall into the creek. 
and they create habitat. So that's that's kind of the goal. But right now we're just we're putting logs in right now to give these fish some habitat cover, spawning habitat. You can imagine kind of what we're doing mostly here is we're putting the structures in like here. You can see this. There's a little island. We're creating an apex jam. So we're going to put a, the structure like this, maybe a couple other logs. And what that creates is it continues to create the off-channel habitat, which is like the number one thing that salmon need. Salmon is they they love that. So side channels, alcoves, all that habitat. So that's what we're creating. So anywhere where I find a little side channel, old historic side channel, um, I'm always trying to think, okay, how do we reconnect that? And uh, and part of it is you can imagine, you know, when it's you see the stream now, it's low, right? But at flood stage or higher winter, it floods out in here, right? Yep. Potentially. So we're building it, getting ready for the, the next big flood event. So this year, if we get a good, whatever, you know, five-year event or a 50-year event, it's going to bring the water up and it's going to push it out a little bit. And then naturally habitat's going to be created around these structures. So when you look at this, sometimes you look, you're like, well, what is it doing? It kind of maybe looks like it's just we're putting wood in, but you got to think longer term. These things are going to be here for, you know, 10, 20, 30 years as they kind of decompose. And hopefully, you know, some of these bigger trees are going to naturally fall on top as, as the forest just matures and, so that's that's the short the short answer to what we're doing. I've been really curious. I know last week or maybe the week before you did a snorkel survey out through here to yeah. see yep. what it actually what's actually out there. Exactly. Yeah, and so that goes back to the longer story about this whole thing because we never we try not to do one-off projects. So this project isn't just I mean, when I first came here, I thought this is a great opportunity. OSU research students um, you know, some education along with benefiting fish. But it's not just this site. We're doing some work with Port Blakely downstream. There's a county, if you go across um, Grim Road on your way back, that's a county project, which is like $800,000. So there's a lot of money being spent, even in smaller basins like this. So the idea is that we fix the passage barriers, we get fish back into these areas, provide the habitat so they're ready to go when they get here. So what I found was I found cutthroat and, and steelhead, essentially. Great. And so, you know, there, weren't, there wasn't a ton of numbers, but every single pool I snorkeled, there were fish. So that's a good sign. Potentially longer term. Um, the other kind of, you know, unique thing here is that we are in the upper Willamette. So we're above Willamette Falls. So technically there aren't any coho uh, ESA listed fish, right? Because historically there weren't coho above the falls. But since we put a ladder in, now there are coho, oh. right? So we actually, and so that's one of those things with ODFW where do we consider those wild fish? There's a question for your natural resource folks. Yep. Are these wild fish that potentially could be in here? Or do we actually want these coho in here? because the ESA listed fish are steelhead and Chinook, spring Chinook, right? So it's that, but point for us is we don't really care. We build the habitat and yep. whatever fish come back naturally, that's that's what we're going for. Kind of like field of dreams of like, that's the hope. Like if you build it, they will <laughs> Pretty come. much, we get that a lot. Yeah, I mean, that's that's it. So it's a, I mean, for me, it's just fun being out here and these, I'm like, a, I'm not an engineer, I'm a biologist, but I've seen a lot of habitat. So I'm always trying to, if you ever go to a stream, and I always say, if you can walk up it like you're walking in the park, there's something missing, right? Yep. You want this thing to be messy. You want the stream to bounce around and logs everywhere. To move. To move, yeah, yep. you want that stream. You can imagine, so the stream's doing naturally, streams can only do two things with their energy, right? This is the geomorphology. Um, and that's why you see, they could either down cut, that's why you see waterfalls, they're dissipating energy, or they go side to side. So when you're in the steep canyons, you don't see the channel doing this because it can't. So it just keeps creating waterfalls to dissipate. But here, naturally in these meandering streams they want to do this and the problem is we've straightened channels you know go go downstream look at the agriculture yep. a lot of those channels those streams used to do like this but we've moved the channel over to the side so we can have an ag field and that's part of the problem so uh, i have a question so how long you've been doing the this habitat restoration and roughly on your career how many projects 
have you done and where? Yeah, so so roughly 10 and 10. So the first 10 years of my career, I was doing research with the Corvallis Lab. Uh So we were actually doing all the surveys. So I was leading crews doing that. And then the second half, I got into the restoration. So I moved over from the Tillamook area over to the Clackamas office. And on and off, I've been doing this work. I worked with ODOT for a little bit, so I've done some other few things. So how many projects over that 10-year period that you've uh, done, would you think? That's a good question. I mean, if you just look, again, the ones that I've done versus the ones where I'm actually on site, not managing, but there. And then there's others where we're just providing technical assistance. We've got passage projects. You know, good examples, we've got a project down the lower um, Pudding River where we've got a lot of fish passage funding to do projects. But... Um, we've got an ag landowner who has a water right, so he takes water out of the stream, but the problem is there's a big dam right in the middle of the creek that's a complete barrier, right? No fish ladder. So we told him, hey, how about this? We'll figure out a way, the solution for this. You need this water. So we're finding a way to build an actual well. This is real, real unique, thinking about kind of outside the box, right? You don't think about that. We're trying to get some funding to actually build the well, because if we can build the well, give him the water, now he doesn't care to take out the dam. Yeah. So we got a lot right. of those projects. The city of Abiqua is on, or mm-hmm. the city of Silverton on Abiqua has a huge dam. So I'm all of those things. I, you know, to answer your question, it's it's a tough one. I mean, I think hundreds, right? Hundreds of projects. We wow, spent, there's that's been, great. There's been, uh, you know, what's the number? Like billions of dollars spent on salmon restoration. So we've spent, you know, tens of millions of dollars. Uh, so you've been at this a while. Yeah. And so how has your thinking about placement changed from when you first started to yep. now? You know, have you right. go back and monitor and watch and go, yeah, yeah. well, that didn't work. Right. But, it, you I know, that question. Yeah, I mean, I can remember when I first was thinking about going from research into this and I studied behind uh, Dave uh, Plowman, who's out of Tillamook, you know, it's kind of cool. The family stuff is also really cool because there's a lot of connections over the years. But Dave Plowman was the stream restoration biologist in Tillamook. I was doing research and I asked Dave, hey, can I walk along with you and see what you're doing? And a couple of things Dave told me were the same things I do today, right? Where is wood naturally, a, a, you know, kind of accruing and they're, you know, falling in the stream? Let's add more. Let's beef it up. Uh, where are other side channels? Where, so I'm still doing all that. The, the next level that I've done is sometimes work in the city. There's a lot more engineering design. So you see that we're actually, here is nice because we can put logs in. We're okay if they move around a little bit or even if maybe a log slides a little bit. But if you're in Portland, these things are locked in. So I've learned a lot about that. And I've learned that there's times when projects I can do on my own and there's projects where I'm calling and spending extra money for a consultant to come design it and have a stamped engineer. Got it. Got it. That's the, probably the biggest thing I've learned is like there's, I know my limitations. Yeah. Okay, so we're out here uh, doing some stream improvement work, and you are the guy. You are the main man doing this work. It, tell us your name, your background, um, company, and how long you've been doing this. Uh, my name is Walker Trask, and my background is uh, I went to OSU. I took a lot of forestry classes because I was really interested in it, but I ended up graduating, graduating with a degree in psychology. Uh, but through family ties, uh, I started kind of in this habitat restoration uh, area. And I started when I was 15 doing salmon stream surveys for uh, bio surveys. Oh, wow. Great. And I did that for three years. And then my brother and I started doing this habitat restoration company, Trask Design and Construction. And we have been working from Astoria to pretty much Ashland from the coast you know, to the mountain range 
and have worked on most watersheds at this point uh, over the last 14 years. Wow. So you said you got a degree in psychology. So do you find this is therapy for you out here? You know, (laughs) it is sometimes, but it's not always that way. There's a lot of stress and deadlines and you know, it's, it's definitely work, but right with the a lot deadlines, of it but... is really enjoyable, especially, you know, walking the streams and like you guys were talking about earlier, seeing the aftermath of the projects that you put in, like dam removals or culvert reinstallations or these log projects. Just one of my favorite things is coming back to a log project after a flood event and seeing all the chaos that's created in the stream, you know, that natural right. Chaos, but that stream. chaos is habitat, and yeah, it's, chaos it's a is habitat. habitat building. That's great. Yeah, yeah. Well, I thought maybe uh, here we could uh, kind of observe some of the work and uh, watch you uh, place these logs. Is is there? I know between you and Dave, is the, I know there's a strategy. You might just before we get going, just talk about your thinking or how you actually place these logs in so that they don't just sluice out, but they're actually locked in. Yeah. It, all that strategy is really stream dependent and topography dependent. And in this case, I think Dave's idea is he's trying to collect, um, debris in the stream and get some of this Creek to kick out onto natural or historic flood plains. Uh, you can see around here, we have some low terraces and, as these log jams collect debris and build a better dam, they're gonna move that water up onto those terraces and create new side channels and fill old side channels. But in other streams, you know, oftentimes you're trying to collect bed load to hold gravel for salmon spawning. So you would do your log jam slightly differently. You're wanting more contact with the, you know, the substrate. Um, But then the other thing that we do is try to make sure that none of these logs are gonna be, you know, careening downstream and smashing into a culvert or something like that. So that's kind of a secondary uh, goal that you're working on all the time is making sure that the logs are pinched between other living trees or slightly buried sometimes will do that. Um, A lot of it is about weight and ballast weight, putting logs on top of each other so that they have enough, you know, downward force to keep from floating or moving around in the stream. Right, right, right. Good. All right. Well, let's uh, we'll let's see, let's see you do your work. All right. Okay. So what he's doing here is he's grabbing this log that's about twenty-five feet long and uh, carefully placing it in the stream. And it takes a little bit of finesse to do this uh, and to arrange these logs in a way that they'll. Um, be jammed together and hold together in in high flows. So I'm also here with uh, Jen Gorski. Uh, Jen had a, an important part in, in this stream restoration project. Uh, Jen, can you give me uh, a little bit of your background and um, and really the impetus for this project? Hi, I'm Jen Gorski. And I used to work for OSU Extension Forestry in Clackamas County and got so excited about forestry that I went on to do a master's at OSU. And I studied Woodcock Creek. 
so for your master's project, uh, you said you studied Woodcock Creek. So what, what was the kind of main part of your thesis? I was to write uh, forest management alternatives uh, for managing the riparian area in one of OSU's uh, research forests. So let's take a, a deeper dive on your master's project. So you were looking at management alternatives on Woodcock Creek, but you know what? What specifically did the work that you did uh, for your master's um, in Woodcock Creek? What, what what was that work that you did? Um, well, I started out with uh, Oregon Department of Fish and Wildlife's protocols for the aquatic habitat inventory, and I did. Uh, three-day training uh, where I learned how to use the instruments in ways that would measure physical stream characteristics of any stream, of actually uh, weightable stream. And so uh, we ended up measuring bankful width, the width of a stream, uh, that the, the height of the stream that would be achieved every, every one and a half years. Um, and then, so, so did you? I'm, so, so did you put plots in, and what kind of measurements did you take besides oh. besides the bank full width? Okay. Well, what we did was we broke the stream into habitat units, <clears throat> things like riffles, uh, pools, um, glides, and we measured. So glide. So what? Just uh, for for our audience, what's a glide? A glide is a pretty still. Um, section of the stream that doesn't have any uh, rippling or any white water. It's just uh, very still, but still achieving uh, down, it's still achieving the downriver flow. Okay. All right. So, yeah. So tell us more. Okay. And so we ended up measuring like the depths of the pools, um, the lengths of the habitat units. We measured, we went out of the stream and we measured the um, terraces and the floodplain widths as well, which at this particular forest, it's Ramsdale Forest, the floodplain is really unusual and unique characteristics. All of these old historical uh, river river beds are embedded uh, along a really, really wide uh, floodplain. So you were surveying the stream and all its factors, pools, riffles, glides, and bankful width. What about the vegetation, both the understory and the, the trees? What did, you, what did you find there? Well, first, within the aquatic habitat inventory, we did what was called these metrics every, um, every 20 or 30 habitat units along the stream. And so we went out of the stream at GPS locations, and then we uh, surveyed the vegetation kind of in a general way. But then I coupled that with vegetation plots that were modeled after the Bureau of Land Management Density Management Studies. And in these vegetation plots, we delineated or we did um, tree plots um, in quarter acre uh, circular, um, circular areas. And within those plots, we measured all of the trees, the heights and the diameters of the trees, um, Can't like canopy cover and all that kind of stuff. Like canopy cover and um, 
and crown ratio uh, to find out how vigorous the trees were and health of the tree um, and a little bit on defect as well. And um, so then within those quarter acre plots. Oh, and so those are big plots. So how many of those quarter acre plots did you have along the, well, it's about a half a mile of Woodcock Creek. Correct. Yeah, actually 0.6 miles of Woodcock Creek. And so um, we did, I believe I did 12 12 of those vegetation plots. but then within the quarter acre plots, we did 0.05 acres where we looked at all of the different herbaceous vegetation as well as the other vegetation and the uh, type of coverage there was so that you could find out, hmm, are these plants good uh, in wetland areas and you know, different data about the herbaceous plants. So this stream restoration project that... Um that we're doing here on Woodcock Creek, you know, we're placing wood back into the stream, but um, in your initial plots, did you find much large wood uh, up and down the Woodcock Creek? Good question. Uh, Within that aquatic habitat inventory, we actually went through and we measured all of the wood of a certain size. And, you know, it was the larger wood. So we measured the pieces, the number of pieces of wood of a certain size and uh, how many how many there were in log jams. And one of the characteristics of Woodcock Creek is that it had these really long straight stretches, which is uh, lends itself to fast moving water. And that's not so great for wild for fish and wildlife also what we measured all of the pools the depths of the pools how many there were that was one of the habitat units and we found that the pools were very shallow compared to the Oregon Department of Fish and Wildlife's reference sites that accommodated very good fish habitat and also on the large wood that we found, we were sorely lacking in Woodcock Creek compared to what the ODFW found for their reference sections of good uh, fish habitat. So you mentioned uh, ODFW has like reference conditions. Um, what is what 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 is what does that mean? Reference conditions are based on uh, areas that the ODFW have identified as having good fish habitat with minimal uh, human encroachment. And so what they do is they have identified these areas in multiple locations. And so these, this, this provides uh, quantitative parameters f- for to which you can measure the characteristics of your own stream and find out what exactly do I need to add to this stream to make it good fish habitat. So maybe to kind of summarize that, so if you compare Woodcock Creek to the reference conditions, what is Woodcock Creek lacking? Woodcock Creek needs more large wood collections all in one 
all in one area like a wood jam, like a log jam, uh, which is basically a number of pieces of wood that are at least 16 inches in diameter across the creek. And what it's also lacking is depth of water. When you think about the water temperatures that fish need, they, they like it cold. And uh, you get cold water in the middle of the summer at the lower parts of the pools. That's where the fish congregate. So that's what we needed to make Woodcock Creek more um, hospitable to uh, fish habitat. And the other aspect of this too is that Woodcock Creek is a, uh, is a smaller stream, but it's very close to the Malala River, which is uh, a, a stream that accommodates salmon, um, bull trout, and uh, steelhead, and also lamprey eel. And so because Woodcock Creek is right next to the Malala River, when we did the, when I did the mapping for that, uh, and then also when I looked what was down river, we looked, I looked at what was uh, through the whole Woodcock Creek watershed. You have to look upriver and downriver to find out um, if there's fish barriers and uh, where does the wood, where does Woodcock Creek flow into? So after you did all this this work, uh, I know that you teamed up with uh, Dave Stewart, who's the habitat biologist on this project and on this podcast. Um, and you, I think, went out and located. Uh, potential places for log jams and how did, how did that go? Tell us a little bit about that process. Well, first I was acquainted with uh, Dave Stewart because he is the fish biologist that does a lot of the work uh, for ODFW in Clackamas County. And he has a lot of experience in uh, placement of these logs uh, to make these log jams on streams to create good uh, fish habitat. So I I invited Dave out to meet me and look at Woodcock Creek and he thought that it had, without even looking at all of the data, he thought it had great potential uh, for fish habitat because of its proximity to the Malala River. And so we planned a day where we went out and we located 12 to 15 locations on Woodcock Creek that looked like they would make great places for log placement. And some of the things that we looked at, which was very interesting to learn from Dave, uh, was that we're looking for uh, broad floodplain areas, in some cases where there was a little wood that was already collecting, and in other places where we could easily place big where we could easily place large wood and uh, so that they would span uh, the creek and be in the creek and the idea was to create um, pools to slow the water down to make the water divert around the obstacle of the large wood jams and then to create pools and deeper pools and so we flagged and we GPS the locations uh, that could be potentially great sites to do that. So you marked all these spots for, for the wood placement to create these log jams. And you've been out here today uh, watching uh, the operator put those logs in. How do you think it's looking? It is better than I ever imagined it could be uh, because... 
I went through and I looked at all of the other uh, log placements. Uh, there's more areas that have logs in them. The, la the logs are all jammed together. Logs that have root wads uh, where the part of the root is still attached, which, which makes the log really heavy. And so then that adds stability to a collection of logs. And I can see that the water is slowing down. The water is getting diverted around these logs. And then I know that in time, there'll be gravel that collects in those areas that will be good for uh, sam that will be good for fish habitat and i know that the pools are going to get deeper so better than i could ever have imagined and also uh, what was done was some of the old historic riverbeds where there was water that was still flowing in those areas at the connection with the main part of Woodcock Creek. They put in large wood in, in there too, so that what happens when there's a, a high water event, that additional pools um, will form and additional connections will be made to Woodcock Creek. So Jen, you did all this work for your masters. Um, and uh, I know that, you know, you you uh, wrote a professional paper, had um, put together some alternatives. How does it make you feel to see a project like this uh, taking place and know that it, it started with your work? Well, of course, as you can imagine, it feels absolutely wonderful because I think because um, other people saw the merit of the project, the data supported that it would be a good place to put money for restoration. The data supported that. And so other, other um, people were able to recognize that as well. And then to be able to see it put into action in a timely way, it is immensely satisfying because now I know that this is actually just one of several watershed projects on Woodcock Creek to enhance the fish habitat there. And so because these projects are going, there's about three other projects that are going, so it's a total watershed enhancement. And so we know that this is going to be really good. Uh, we know it's going to be really good habitat for for the fish. And so, of course, that's very satisfying. That's great. That's, that's awesome, really. Well, this concludes another episode of the In the Woods podcast series. Thank you all for listening, and don't forget to subscribe. Thank you so much for listening. Show notes with links mentioned on each episode are available on our website, inthewoodspodcast.com. We would love to hear from you. Visit the Tell Us What You Think tab on our website to leave us a comment, suggest a guest or topic, or ask a question that can be featured in a future episode. And also, give us your feedback by filling out our survey. In the Woods was created by Lauren Grant, Jacob Putney, Carrie Berger, Jason O'Brien, and Stephen Fitzgerald, who are all members of the Oregon State University Forestry and Natural Resources Extension Team. Episodes are edited and produced by Kellen Soriano. Music for In the Woods was composed by Jeffrey Hino, and graphic design was created by Christina Freehoff. We hope you enjoyed the episode, and we can't wait to talk to you again next month. Until then, what's in your woods? <laughs>